Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast. A welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 147. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to share overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship topics because this is truly a lifestyle. It's so much more than food. Be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and YouTube. I'm at Brown Vegan on both of those platforms. And you can, of course, as always, get the show notes and everything mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com. So yes, welcome to the first episode of 2022. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to jump right into this week's listener review. The title is Workable Gems. In the last month, I've learned so many tips on a realistic transition to vegan. I've been flip-flopping for years and going vegan almost feels like learning a new language. Your show gives workable gems to make the transition easier, especially for a working mom. Thank you. Thank you so much for that review. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to go over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, then scroll down, tap five stars to rate the show and leave your review. And hopefully I can read it on a future episode. So today on the show, I have another guest for you. I have Sashi on here. Sashi is the colorful coach on Instagram, and that is also her website. So in this conversation, we talk about so many things. And I think that this is like I told her, this is like the perfect time of year to talk about all of the things we talked about, including habits, including eating well, being well, showing up for yourself. All of the things that we need to do all year, but I feel like in January, it's just an important conversation to have as reflecting on the last year of our lives and then planning how we want the next year of our lives to look. So I just think the timing of this conversation is perfect. Sashi is a healthy habits coach as well as a personal trainer. So I love how she has a very holistic approach to a plant-based life and nutrition. In our conversation, we chat about how she made a gradual transition to vegan life the importance of representation in the vegan community. We also chat about batch cooking to save time and money. And also some of the emotional baggage that comes with transitioning to vegan life. I also love how Sachi talks about how she is a recovering couch potato and how she transitioned her life to being more active and of course eating well. She was also generous enough to put together some free downloads for you guys. So if you go to the colorfulcoach.com slash brown vegan, she has a beginner guide to plant-based eating, habit building basics. She also has a special discount for her eBooks for you being a listener to this show. Once again, it's at the colorfulcoach.com slash brown vegan to take advantage of all of the goodies. So yes, without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation. So I feel like I have a little bit of a long, windy road to how I went vegan, but it feels like it happened on accident, even though by the time I decided to do it, it was very much on purpose. But it started with deciding to do a meatless month with my partner who has never really enjoyed a lot of meat. And I was, because of our work schedules, the one who did like, and also just because I like it, (laughs) I was the one who did most of like meal preparing. So it felt strange for me to always be making things that I knew he didn't care for that much or was like harder for him to stomach. And so it was like a challenge for myself to learn other things to cook that didn't just center 
around meat, which is like most people, I think we just grow up eating plates that center around some kind of animal food. So that month went so well. And obviously, I mean, I can say this now that I know how to do more, but like the food is still delicious. There was no problem giving up meat. And I felt physically better than I had in a really long time. I had sort of always dealt with digestive issues. And I remember like a couple weeks in laying in bed at the end of the night. And it was the first time that I felt, I was like, oh my gosh, I just feel so much lighter. And I wanted that feeling (laughs) to continue. So when the month ended, I just was like, yeah, I don't think I'll add meat back in. And it was kind of a loose commitment. It wasn't even like I committed for life at that point. I was just like, I don't see why I would eat it again if I feel great without it. There's no need for it. And then I think I was still eating fish at that point and then dairy and eggs. And I've been lactose intolerant maybe my whole life. I don't know when it started. Definitely in adolescence, I noticed that was part of my digestive problems. And I still like, you know, loved cheese. I didn't really drink Mm -hmm. milk that much. I would like take lactose (laughs) when I thought (laughs) I needed it, which like, I don't know, halfway maybe worked. I still don't know if that (laughs) worked for me, depending on the amount of food I was eating. But once I cut out the meat, it sort of gave room, I think, in my brain to start looking at why people don't eat animal products in general. And I started following, you know, different people on the internet and getting more information that wouldn't have gone in, I think, if I was still eating meat. Maybe it would have. It would have just taken a lot longer when I was still like participating (laughs) in certain behaviors. But it definitely felt easier to take in some of the like harder information once I wasn't eating meat anymore. And once I'd made a shift where I was like, oh, it is possible to cut things out and not feel like it's a terrible decision. So it was probably six months in total that it took me to go from just not eating meat to fully vegan. And it definitely was like, it was a choice to be vegan when I decided to do it. So, okay. There's so much that I want to talk to you about. Like I just, there's just so much. And I think that the part that stood out to me, what you just said is how it was a lot of experimenting and it seems like it was a gradual shift for you. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't one of those things where you went home and just threw all all of the dairy and the eggs and the meat out of your fridge. You gave yourself the grace to kind of figure things out when you realized that you didn't need the meat. And I feel like for a lot of people, they get caught up in the all or nothing in the labels Mm -hmm. and they don't even give themselves a chance to even experiment and try like you did. So do you think that having that support with your partner made a difference? Like, did your partner also want to do this too? Absolutely. That made a difference. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Because I didn't didn't realize. Yeah. I wasn't sure if your partner was interested in going all in the same way that you were, or was it more of just like no meat, but they still want to eat dairy, you know? So oh, no, I definitely think he was on board with it like a lot sooner than me and would sort of like, just like send me things that he thought I might find interesting or whatever. But he, we went through a similar, it was nice to go through the process of going vegan with another person because you do have that sort of mirror of someone like dealing with similar things to you at the same time. We both had the thing because I'm a personal trainer and I definitely had like gym bro nutrition mentality, like protein is king, carbs make you fat, like all of the like just baseline (laughs) 
things that people think, but I hadn't studied nutrition yet. So I didn't really know anything about it. And so my fear was, and I totally valid. And I think a lot of people have, this is like, am I going to get everything that I need if I cut out all of these foods? And then once I realized that I could, the, the decision became a lot easier. Also like just from a vanity standpoint, once I realized you can like keep muscle and maybe get athletic performance gains, it was like, I like dove right in. It was, it became that Ooh. much more exciting to me. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're mentioning this because that is yeah. another thing people are afraid are going to turn into a noodle or something. Yeah. <laughs> they do this, especially if they're as active as you are. So that's a very good point. So where did you get that from though? Because I don't know if I would have been able to right away know, for instance, for me, when I just, the first time I tried to go vegan, I did it for about two weeks and I survived mm-hmm. off of apples and sunflower seeds. Like I didn't oh know my what God, the hell this I was like, this terrifies me, yeah. honestly, because people cut out so many foods. <laughs> right. I had no idea what to eat. And so I went to, and I was a vegetarian after that for two years. Cause I was like, there's no way I can be a vegan because vegans don't right. eat food. But then when mm-hmm. I tried to do it again, and then I realized there was so much variety, it made all of the difference in the world because I didn't think vegans ate. So for you, where did you see that representation for yourself? Because I think that's important. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast because I need to see, I need people of color to see, okay, you could be vegan because a lot of times they don't think, a lot of people are like. like, Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I started listening to your podcast because I was like seeking out people with similar experiences and like, yes. So the Instagram was huge for me when I went vegan because it was, well, at the time, Instagram now is so different, but at the time it was so easy to find just regular people <laughs> who are eating vegan. And yeah. so I just started following a bunch of different people. And so that was great for meal inspiration for one, just to see, like, I mean, this is still why I post what I eat. It's not just to like <laughs> randomly show what I'm doing in my day. It's like, so that people can see how to put meals together because I know how impactful that is, or that was for mm-hmm. me. So yeah, seeing how people put different meals together. Also like people share what products are out because like, even now it's sort of like monthly, there's new things coming out and I am in a place where we get everything. So I'm in like Berkeley, California. It's definitely like hippie town, natural food stores, all of that stuff. So I am jealous. You have, you really do have everything in Berkeley. (laughs) It's spoiled in that sense because I know that like, that's not true nationwide and the Mm -hmm. convenient, like delicious, maybe junkier vegan foods aren't everywhere. But for me, they were. So I definitely took full advantage of that. And yeah, even on Instagram, like the, the wide range really exciting to me because it, it changed, (laughs) it changed what I thought it meant to be vegan. Obviously, I think, I don't know what I thought a vegan was (laughs) before I looked Uh into it, but if you were to say the word to me, I definitely pictured like a skinny, white, privileged person. Maybe they were or weren't like yelling about animals. Like that's just like the image that I had in my head. And then I realized at all of like the entire vegan community, which is a lot more diverse and a lot more people get into it for a lot of different reasons. And their stances, uh, like the communication approach can be so different. And so that was lovely to me because then I, it was established like, oh, you can bring yourself into your veganism. You know, you can be you still but also be Yes. Good. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it's, and it's crazy because it's taken me, did it take you some time to be continue to be you and be into it? Because I know that sounds like a yeah. weird question, but maybe not. No, absolutely it did. And I do think I, just, I, t- I took time to sort of sit in like what I wanted that to be. And 
you know, my partner made fun of me at the time because first I just said plant-based because I wasn't committed yet to the label of vegan, but he knew like the reasons that I went <laughs> plant-based were vegan reasons. And so he would sort of just like poke me a little bit of like, oh, you're plant-based, huh? Not vegan. Because in my heart I was vegan, but I was scared of that like outward facing calling myself vegan thing. I want to go back now. I got to talk about mm-hmm. like how you grew up eating. Was it a standard American diet? Like, what did that look like? Because you have a lot of culture going on there. You have a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. I, in some ways, I do think it was standard American diet. Like, we definitely had the regular, like, you know, <laughs> spaghetti for dinner, like, fairly regularly. But culturally, yeah, I, I did grow up eating a lot of Puerto Rican staples. So, like, rice and beans were not a foreign idea to me. I still love them to this day. And then, you know, Japanese culture also has their version of rice and beans. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. beans are in the form of tofu or edamame most often. So I definitely, and I grew up in Northern California where we are very fortunate to have like a lot of very good international cuisine that you can just get for takeout. So in terms of like flavor palette, I definitely feel spoiled and I love all kinds of foods from all kinds of places. But that being said, it it, for the most part was your standard protein, starch, and some vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the baseline. So let's talk about today though. Like, so what are some of the things that you make for quick meals at home? Some of the things that you're just enjoying overall when it comes to some of your meals, like how, how does that look? And I think I, I have a feeling based on your Instagram that I already know the answer to this, but just in case <laughs> someone hasn't been to your page yet, yeah, I want yeah. you to share like some of the things, cause you love a colorful plate. That is your I brand do. is colorful variety. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your your favorite, you know, some of your go-tos? Yeah. So my go-tos, it's funny, like looking back at my childhood, I don't think it's a bad base to start with. It's just now, you know, all plants. So I still do that same. I usually do when I'm lazy and when I don't want to think about food, it's grains, greens, and beans is where I will start because I pretty much always have those stocked in my kitchen. Even those little like freezer packs of rice, if you don't feel like going through the trouble of cooking rice, which is not hard, but it does take a little bit longer. I encourage people (laughs) do what you got to do. But yeah, so I usually start with rice is is usually my grain. I do like brown rice. I'll throw whole grain in there here and there. And then canned beans, I'm not opposed to them. If I really feel like going through the work of uh, cooking them, they, they taste better. And I usually add a lot more vegetables when I cook them, but I like all beans and greens. My go-to is kale. Spinach is also great. Even if it's lettuce, like to throw that in there. And then anything on top of that, I just consider bonus. Um, So at that point, if I want it to like really dense up a meal, I'll just, I'll look for whatever's colorful (laughs) in my fridge. So the the go-tos there tend to be like red bell peppers and carrots and tomatoes and that kind of stuff. Are you a sauce lady? Like, do you like sauces on your book? 100%. So this is also like a thing that I think makes the biggest difference with vegan food. Like obviously like flavor (laughs) your food. It sounds obvious, but. Oh no. You know, if you're changing your diet, diet, people don't necessarily (laughs) think about it. But yeah, so I'm huge on sauces because like, yeah, I'm not going to eat just a plant. I mean, I could, depending on how the beans are flavored, I could just eat like rice and beans and greens, but more often than not, there's some kind of sauce getting thrown on top of that or mixed in, in some form. But yeah, the <laughs> flavor your food. It's sauces yeah. are the best for this. Spices are the best for this. Yes. But the reason I say that is because a lot of times people who don't cook at all, I don't even mm-hmm. think 
they think outside of salt and pepper, people who don't cook. So <gasps> what are you saying? That is a very good... <laughs> yeah. What did you say? I didn't hear you. Say that again. What are you saying? That sounds <laughs> bananas. But, it's true. but you know, it's true. Like, think about it. Yeah. Like you, I'm sure, I don't know how old you were when you started cooking, but I feel like for a lot of people who don't cook, they don't think about... Not only do they, they not really think about the flavor necessarily that goes into it, they don't think about layering that flavor. Like you mm. can't just—that's yeah, that's another part that's important about layering flavor on. I don't think I, that was something that was like Natural. inherent to me. Yeah, when I started yeah. cooking, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you, you pick things up here and there. Absolutely. Even if you just put flavor on at the end, it's still going to taste better than if you don't do it at all. But yeah, layering flavor is like a nice little cooking technique. Yes. And then like, yeah. I mean, so I think that that's a very, that's a valid tip that you just gave about, you know, yeah. flavoring your food and everything. It's so important. Uh-huh. It's so, so important. And it's just kind of like, okay, think about it like this. You know how people say, oh, tofu doesn't taste like anything. Or, oh my God. This know. is one of my biggest, like, I'm like, have you ever eaten plain chicken? <laughs> That's what like, I was about. That was my example, girl. See, that's what, what I'm saying. You, you never take a frozen pack of chicken out the freezer and you never just, just throw it in the oven. So why mm-hmm. why would you do that with tofu? I always mm-hmm. say that. It's so true. That was my example. It's also and, like, one of those things where it's like the plants are what make the food taste good, period. Like even okay. if you're eating animal foods, it's like the plants are what make it taste good. Yes, because that seasoning is coming from plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those herbs are coming mm-hmm. from plants. Yes, ma'am. Tell them, uh-huh. tell them. <laughs> so let's talk about also the get back into get into more into the cooking. I know for you, you like batch cooking, meal prepping, and things like that. Yes. Is that something that you do all the time, or just something you do when you know that you're getting busy and you just want to make sure that you stay on track and making sure that you get everything that you need? You know, I'm actually terrible at meal prep, like traditional meal prep. <laughs> Where people make their meals all ahead of time. Not for me. So yeah, meal prep for me definitely looks like batch cooking food and then sort of throwing it together a little bit more spontaneously. I don't like feeling like I know exactly what I'm going to eat two days from now. That feels stifling to me. So I do, it's like having an outline for yourself, you know, so you have some of the pieces and then you can still improvise if you feel like it. So making bigger batches of food or just having the right things around that are easy to throw in, that that makes the biggest difference for me. Yes. Like for me, I like to make in the beginning of the week, I like to make a big salad. I like to make a mm-hmm. pot of beans. I like to make rice. Mm-hmm. I like, like certain things just to have ready to, because I know I have those days where uh, my boyfriend, will, he'll text me. He'll be like, did you eat today? Like he'll do that because he knows yeah. that when You're I like, get nope. busy, <laughs> I'll be like, uh, thank you though. <laughs> and then I'll be yeah. like, I'll at least have like apples and fruit or something yes. like chopped up and ready to go because yeah. it's very easy to do that. So I love that. I'm like you, I don't, I don't know how people do like all of the prepping and putting things in the, in the same, the dishes and everything looks the same. I know that yeah, it's probably I feel like helpful. Some people really love that. And that I'm happy that that's, <laughs> That works for some people. But yeah, it's not my, I couldn't do it like that. Yeah, it's not natural to me either. <laughs> so I love yeah. that you bring bringing a different perspective to that. That's very important. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. of course you've been vegan for nearly five years at this point mm-hmm. um, as a personal trainer, as a health coach. I know that you, of course, bring so much and pour so much into your clients, but as far as the benefits for you, what are some of the things that you notice? I know your digestion is a lot better, but outside mm-hmm. of that, what improvements have happened in your life since you decided to become vegan? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know that's loaded. I know that's loaded. <laughs> yeah. I'll start, I'll, I'll start with the physical things. Yeah. So digestion was a big, big improvement. And then I just realized I didn't finish that thought. But when I cut out dairy, that was also <laughs> obviously because I'm 
been lactose intolerant. That was a huge thing for my digestion and also for my skin. So I've pretty much since like adolescence had acne and I into adulthood continued to have it. There was a period where I didn't, but it was because of like hormonal birth control. But it was one of those things that I, you know, once I hit 30, I kind of was like, oh, I guess I'm just going to always have bad skin. And then when I cut out dairy, I was like, oh, nope. (laughs) I guess that was really causing a lot of problems for me. So that was a big one for me, just because in terms of, you know, your face being out there in the world, it, it did affect my confidence. It's nice to not have to worry about cystic acne. It's very painful and annoying. I, I don't know that it was just the dairy. I do think digestion in general, because it's also tied into hormones that all, I think it all affects your skin, but certainly eating like a plant-based diet that's inherently anti-inflammatory also, I think did so much in terms of my skin. So that was another thing. My nails got a lot stronger. Like there's just so many weird things that I wouldn't have thought that were tied into diet that started (laughs) to change. And then for my workouts, I mean, that was a hugely inspiring thing for me. Like I was able to recover (laughs) between workouts a lot better. Like I wasn't, I had more energy. I felt like I could work out more. It felt like like things were moving smoother on the inside. I don't know how else to explain that. Now, now that I know a little bit more about plant-based nutrition, it makes sense. You know, like your blood flow actually does improve when you're cutting out certain animal products. That was a great time. I always think back to when I first went vegan and I, <laughs> I still tell people like it felt like I was on drugs. Like it felt like a performance enhancer. It was great. And I do think that was a honeymoon period. I still, you know, recover great between workouts, but it was like that. I had the stark difference from from before and after, right in the beginning. And then like sort of spiritually, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word to use here, but I do think opening up to veganism opened me up in a lot of different ways. And so it, it did, I tapped into what I feel like is a piece of me that got a little bit <laughs> stamped out over the years, which is like my compassionate heart led self. And I definitely lean into that self a lot more now that I'm, you know, living this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's yeah. so true. It's, it, it, I feel like it's spiritual too. I, I like mm-hmm. that word. That's, I think that's a perfect way to describe this. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of go back. Cause I know in the beginning you mentioned something about, you were talking about mm-hmm. the emotional part. We f- you feel like mm-hmm. you don't hear enough conversations about that. Please dive into that. Cause I want to see your thoughts on the emotional part of going vegan that people tend to kind of. You know, we talk Rush about over. the food a lot on social media, <laughs> yeah. right? But we don't yeah. really talk about all the other things that go on. So definitely please share. Yeah, I do think it's a harder thing to convey on certain platforms. So like definitely talking about it with someone feels a lot more natural than like writing a post about it or something like that. But yeah, the emotional piece is, is huge because food is like such a big part of our lives, not just personally, but also socially. And so I knew when I made that choice to do something different, that that was going to affect my relationship with my friends and family. And at the time, like, I do think I'm still sort of recovering from a lot of like people pleasing tendencies, you know, doing the thing that, you know, will make other people happy just to like not ruffle any feathers. And I do think being vegan has made me grow a stronger backbone because it's like, if you have a reason to stick to your guns, you really, really like flex that muscle quite often because society at large is not vegan and and not necessarily understanding of veganism. And so 
I knew that like with my family, for instance, like food is a way that we show that we care for someone. It's still like for me, like bringing someone food or cooking for them. It's like a very, it's a way that I show affection. And so me saying no to things, it feels like a rejection, right? Like that just yeah. emotionally, that would feel like you're saying no to me loving you, Absolutely. which of course, this is all under the surface. It's not like anyone's like outwardly saying any of these things, which almost makes it harder <laughs> to come to terms with. But it was this process of being able to say no to old things that I would have said yes to while still trying to maintain, you know, a level of closeness in the relationship. And, and it's like, I still love you, but I don't do that anymore. And so I think that was just like, there's a transition period. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. With grand, with older people, but I I think it's with anyone and depending on how good people are at like communicating about it, like a lot of this stuff just goes unsaid. And I think that's a struggle that a lot of people have is there's not like an outward conversation about it. It just someone feels rejected. They think that, especially with parents, I think it's hard because they're the ones who raised you a certain way that you are now rejecting. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, like uh, my parents are not like this, but there, I'm sure there must be the thought of like, oh, you think we did it wrong? Yeah. (laughs) You think we got that wrong? And so that's like, again, all unspoken things that you're sort of having to deal with silently often. And so, yeah, a, bit, a big piece of that was just people getting used to different behaviors and then also exposing them to delicious vegan food has helped so much. So it is, you know, as more time goes by and they eat good food, try new things, become curious about it. It's not a problem at all now. And people are generally very, very accommodating. It, it, accommodating. it helps that I like, like to bring delicious vegan food. Cause I know not everyone likes to cook. So I feel like that would be a lot harder if you're expecting other people to make you the vegan food or like always yeah. having to eat something separate. Yeah. I never expect anyone to make the food, but you know, what's interesting. Yeah. I feel like it never, I don't know if it ever is going to go away is what I've accepted. So mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving, I'm okay. Yeah. Like I don't, cause I don't really don't care about Thanksgiving like that. And with my family, some years we do Thanksgiving together, some years we don't as mm-hmm. far as my extended family. And then this past Thanksgiving was actually really good because we had mostly vegan food and it was the first time that yeah, I've been to we did 2010. Too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was so amazing. Right. Yeah. But let me tell you this though. I feel like Christmas is really hard for me every single year. Christmas is really? so hard for me because since I was a kid, it, and it has just gotten so much better that like I have my own three children and they're like, my oldest is 20. Mm-hmm. So they're like older now. And we just have this tradition tradition that we've had since I was a little kid. And basically mm-hmm. we would wake up, open gifts. And then my dad would like grill salmon. And then we would have mm-hmm. like lobster and shrimp and all types of like seafood. And then of course, as I got older, we would just have champagne at, in the evening and watch movies and stuff like that. And so Christmas has mm-hmm. been really, I don't think it's ever going to go away, to be honest. I've accepted that it's probably not going to go away because at this point you would think that it wouldn't really matter, but that just goes mm-hmm. to show how a lot of this, like you said, is so ingrained in us. It's like who we are. And yeah. and my parents don't even give me a hard time at all. You know, my uh-huh. dad is very uh-huh. accommodating. He's like the best cook I know. He's always yeah. been accommodating and everything, but it just doesn't feel the same to me because I... <laughs> have those moments when I'm like, shoot, I want to eat the crab cake too. I want to like sit yeah. and everything. And, every- and I think that's just real. You know, I think that's yeah. how it will be. So I'm so glad that you brought this up because I'm sure that it's other people are feeling this way as well. You know, no matter how many years you've been doing it, it still may come up for you. Yeah. There's that, there is that strong emotional connection to food. I do have some of those things 
it's funny, like I didn't have any cravings for animal food since I gave them up, except there was one day, I think it was last year, like <laughs> 2020 pandemic times where I woke up craving, cause I like rice and eggs with soy sauce was like something that we ate a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. And I, I woke up craving that. And that was the first time I really like understood what that feeling felt like. But thankfully there are ways to feed these cravings. And, and some of that, I just wonder, it's like, well, what, what was I actually craving there? Like, was I just craving a familiar food that makes me feel yeah. cozy? Like, I think that's really uh-huh. what it is. Yeah. And then if it's like, oh, a flavor, like if I can pinpoint that it's a flavor that I want and that's something that I can recreate with plants, which often I can, then that's what I'll do. So I did, I made myself like a tofu scramble and it was delicious. And I do have the black salt <laughs> to get the like sulfury mm-hmm. egginess because that was, I guess that day, just something that I was feeling like eating. I do. One of the harder things that I think is it's the most difficult to recreate is texture. So yeah. I can often get the, the flavor sensation I'm looking for, but not always the texture. And that's sort of one of those things that I'm fine with, you know, where I'm like, my husband and I say this all the time <laughs> where it's like, it doesn't have to taste the same, but as long as it tastes good. <laughs> oh, some, but some people will beg to differ. They're like, I need both. <laughs> I need the flavor, yeah. the texture to be right. And so mm-hmm. it just kind of goes back to like, maybe it doesn't have to be everything that you transition, mm-hmm. even though I want, like, I mean, I definitely want everybody to be vegan, but mm-hmm. maybe they can cut out, you know, maybe they can start off by cutting out like some of the smaller parts and then they can build on yeah. it, you know, like yeah. the, some plant-based milk and vegan margarine, things like that are really yeah, but It's also the thing of like, not just removing something from your diet, but like looking into what you're going to replace it with, you know? Cause so if you, cool. if you know, you're still going to want to be eating certain foods, like have something else to be eating <laughs> that can like, yes, maybe not so take important. the place of it, but you know, yeah. Something you enjoy instead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, cause habits are like a big part of the work that you do as far as your mm-hmm. personal training and health coaching. So yeah. I want to talk about some of the things as far as what are some baby steps that people can take? Cause I know a lot of my listeners are vegan curious or vegetarian or mm-hmm. dabbling back and forth, which I understand. And so mm-hmm. I want you to share like some tips on how people can start to make the transition. Some of the things that you do with your coaching clients. I definitely, my biggest tip to everyone is like the smallest steps at a time possible. And then once you master those small steps, move on. So with food that often looks like the milk, like just start with the plant-based milk, which it's so funny. Like, I feel like majority of people already have done that piece. I know. I love it. They know how easy it is. So like translate that into other things. So butter, there is vegan butter, like just buy that instead, start using it. And then once it becomes your norm. Um, you can start adding other things in. So with, I I think start with foods you already know you enjoy. That's a really big thing because Mm -hmm. you don't want to overhaul your whole palate just because you think you're supposed to. So the foods you already enjoy probably have alternatives that are somewhat easy to substitute. And so, yeah, with pastas and stuff like that, I think that's the easiest thing to substitute because you can either use like a, a plant-based meat substitute or well beans would be a strange one, but lentils are ones that I've seen in pasta that like, it's like just have something else in there to dense it up. That wouldn't feel like a, a huge shock to your system. Yeah. But yeah. One, one thing at a time. I, I like also doing like one meal at a time where it's sort of like, if you just know that you want a bunch of different plant-based breakfast options, maybe just for a week, plan two or three 
different breakfast. And then once you feel like you have breakfast under control, start thinking about your lunch, you know, and then gradually make your way to dinner. So I wouldn't do all of those at once if it feels overwhelming, which often it does. Yeah. Like it's a lot of changes at once. Yeah. I, I don't think that it needs to be an overnight thing. I certainly understand for people how you would want it to be an overnight thing, but I think that the best results will come from letting yourself learn in your own pace. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So what about like the the fitness part? I guess it would apply still, what you just said, would apply to fitness as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the gradual changes. Do you, for somebody who, because I know you describe yourself as a couch potato and now you're like doing <laughs> your thing out here, training other people running and all of this good stuff. So yeah. what are some of the things that you did to help you get off the couch and get active? Mm-hmm. It's so funny because in my heart, I do still feel like I am a couch potato. And every time I'm doing that other stuff, it's just like for a moment. So I can go back to sitting down. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's real, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, the way that I got into fitness, what I do think this has honestly, like when I look back at it, this informs my whole mindset on like all types of habit change. Because so I started working out after college. I grew up not playing sports and like, pretty much. I just, I think I went through a phase where I didn't want to do anything physical in front of anyone ever. It was just, I don't know how much of that was like shyness or like being scared of something. I don't know if something happened to me, but I definitely was like actively avoiding physical activity for a long time, like even through college. So when I graduated from college, I was not working. It was like recession time. 2008, 2009, I had a lot of time basically. And I was like, not in a great mental, emotional state. And I found these 12 minute high intensity interval training workouts. And it was just this like very buff, lean looking woman (laughs) with an interval timer doing body weight exercises. And that got me into it because I was like, okay, 12 minutes a day, like I can do that. That's fine. You know, like anyone could do 12 minutes a day type of thing. I didn't even really need equipment at that point. And so I started doing that semi-regularly. And then it just built up that little bit of self-belief that I needed to continue doing it. And so that's one thing I always encourage people to do is to just start something, even if it feels really, really like not a big thing. Like I really would be like, if you want to just start moving your body and you know that walking around the block (laughs) is something you can do that day. Start doing that consistently because the it's the building up the belief that like I can do something every day and I'm going to show up to do that thing. That's the thing that's going to build on later that you can build on later. Mm-hmm. So the 12 minute workouts, I'm so grateful for them. And I still like on days that I don't feel like working out, I, I do the same concept where I'm like, I'm just going to set my timer. I'm just going to start and do the 12 minutes. And more often than not, just because of the point that I'm in, I'll do more than 12 minutes because I've already gotten going, but it's just the getting going piece that I need sometimes still, because it's not, I just posted about this the other day. It's not really about feeling motivated (laughs) to do it. Like I'm not motivated every day to do it, but I have gotten into the routine of doing it. And so it feels more natural to me to do it now than to not do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, yeah, because motivation is just like, a, it's a, a joke to me because yeah. with everything, if we moved off of motivation, nothing would ever be done ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to mm-hmm. be more of a discipline or routine, like you said, because yeah, mm-hmm. motivation comes in spurts. It comes around when it feels like it. <laughs> so yeah. I love and I do think having <laughs> become a personal trainer 
it like keeps me motivated because it's one of those things where I'm like, it, it has now become part of my identity, right? Like that I am a person who cares about physical fitness. And so it's, I have that in my body now. And so I'm like, oh, what does a person who cares about that do? How does that person Ooh. behave? And it was the same thing when I went vegan, like those tiny shifts, it was sort of, and when I shifted my mentality on, on health, like on nutrition, it was the same thing where I didn't really yet know the answer, but I just started asking like, well, what does someone who cares about their health do? I love you know this. yes I've been doing this recently with business I've been saying what does a mm-hmm. successful business owner do oh my gosh I yeah. love that the timing of this is perfect because I've, I've been doing mm-hmm. that and it has shifted so much in like how yeah. I show up for myself and for my totally um, customers. and I yeah. think that that's the root of all of these behavior changes so it's it's tough because I'm part of me just wants to tell people just start to start doing something right like don't overthink it but the other piece of me is like within that once you get going you do have to really think about your through line because it's it's the easiest thing to get excited about a new thing and the hardest thing to continue doing that thing when it's no longer exciting. Ooh, ain't that the truth? <laughs> so you you have to have other reasons to be doing it. And and I I don't know if you've heard of or read Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yes. So that was the thing that really clicked for me. And, and when I look back at all of the behaviors I've been able to change, it, it comes down to your identity, the way that you see yourself and the way that you want to be showing up in the world. And if you have a clear view on that, you know, all of the choices you make all of a sudden become a lot easier because they're just aligning with who you are. Mm. So yeah. true. So because I know that, of course, this conversation is going to go live in January, mid-January at that, a lot of people have their New Year's resolutions. And I'm I'm definitely not someone who's cynical about it because sometimes people are like, oh, that's so cliche, blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) I know people, especially a lot of people who've been on this show who have made resolutions and it actually changed their life in so many amazing ways. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for those folks who are listening right now, no matter what time of year it is when they're listening to this and they're like, I'm kind of burnt out from like everything. <laughs> what, do, what do I need to do? I know that you kind of talked on, you touched on the importance of just starting and mm-hmm. figuring that out. But do you have any other, ins- you know, any other tips on like how to get back on track when it comes to your food and to your, you know, overall wellness exercise, anything you want to share about that? Yeah, I think I like to get real granular with it. So I would say if you choose one or two things, start (laughs) not just thinking, what do I want to do? Just start thinking about how you're going to actually do it. So think of all the ways that you can make it easier for yourself to do that thing. And that does take a little bit of, I have a, a, like a guided workbook that works through this. And this is a lot of the coaching that I do. You, you have to start asking yourself more questions and just get really realistic about like, where does this fit into my life and how can I fit this into my life? And those are like, it is as simple as, or can be as simple as laying your workout clothes out the night before, right? So you make the decision the night before rather than waking up and saying like, do I feel like working out today? Or one of my clients that I was working with recently was telling me and she was, she felt so frustrated and she was like, I keep putting because she's a calendar oriented person. She's like, I keep putting workout like Monday, Wednesday, Friday in my calendar. And then I wake up and I don't do it. And I was like, I mean, of course you don't, because what does that mean? Workout, (laughs) wake up and do what exactly? So you have to have like a plan. You have to have something more concrete than just like the vague idea of I want to do this thing. 
Yeah. I used to actually sleep in my workout clothes when I was really trying to get Ooh, back into it. Yeah, yeah, I did. And have my shoes by the door because I knew that I didn't want to have like any excuse. Because if you mm-hmm. wake up and you have to change clothes and you're already tired because yeah. it's early and just yep. like, no, if I sleep in these clothes, I'll go to the door and I'll actually get out. And I used yeah. to, this is so funny, but I used to do this thing because I kind of go back and forth with exercise. Like right now I'm mm-hmm. consistent, but who knows? In two months, I may not be. But I used to do mm-hmm. this thing when I was working out at the gym. I would say, okay, just get in the building. Like yes. there's TVs and stuff in there. There's, exactly. There's a bathroom. I could go look in the mirror. Just get in the damn building. Because if I get in the yeah. building, like you said, about the 12 minutes, it's going to be longer. <laughs> if I just uh-huh. get my ass in the building. <laughs> yes, it is. I know. And it's funny to think about it like that. But really it is. It's like, just get yourself to the place. And sometimes it's the freedom of being like, not thinking past that. Right. Like you're right. not saying get in and do the workout. You're like, just go in. Just and then because you know, once you're there, you're there, you know, you're going to do something. Well, sometimes I would just watch a TV show, but Hey, I got yeah. in the building and then the next day, but I showed up the next mm-hmm. day because I had no expectation. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really helpful. I, I think it's like knowing yourself. Cause it sounds like you do know yourself really well, helps mm-hmm. so much with all of this. Yes. So true. So true. Like, and then being really clear about what it is that you want and not, cause it's mm-hmm. so easy to be influenced by what other people are saying and what they suggest and what they're yes. doing. And, and so I do think that's one right. of the more commonly made mistakes is seeing what someone else is doing it, trying it and realizing it doesn't work for you. And then like throwing everything out the window rather than mm-hmm. adjusting it to actually work for you. Yes, 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 yes. So this has been an incredible conversation. I'm so glad that we talked about this when we before we started recording, but I'm so glad that we waited because I feel like both of us are in a good place right now. <laughs> we were so busy before and had all these things going on. So I'm just so glad that you took the time to share your expertise with us today. Tell us how we can work with you or social media, whatever you want us to do, let us know. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I am thrilled (laughs) to be talking to you and to like be talking to your audience. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at the colorful coach. My website is the colorful coach.com. And I am now putting together a bunch of tools for people. If you can't work one-on-one with me on my programs, which like I do think is the ideal way to do it because it's like this built-in accountability (laughs) weekly, Mm -hmm. but if you want to like take it into your own hands, I have like the steps that I use with other people in the form of like a guide and a workbook for people to work through themselves. And that's all available either through Instagram or my website. And what's your website? Go ahead and plug that. Thecolorfulcoach.com. I love how you have all your stuff like lined up, make it easy for people to pay you and find you. <laughs> I love that. Everything <laughs> yeah, matches. Took, I mean, we didn't talk about business stuff today, but man, that is such a mountain to climb. Just the business side of all of this. It's insane. Man, if people are interested, we should do a part two. This has been like such an amazing conversation. I really enjoy connecting with you when I go to California, especially when I'm in like the Berkeley area, we have to have lunch or something. Oh my God, Um, please come visit. Yes. Yes. Versace, it was such a pleasure to connect with you. Maybe we'll do a part two about the business because (laughs) I absolutely love talking about business. That's like veganism and business are my favorite subjects. So Mm -hmm. I would love that. But thank you so much for your time and we'll chat soon. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you next week.